right, this is the Fact Check This podcast episode number 12. Today I am joined by Giles Miller. He's one of the Peddling Fiction uh, fans from the private Facebook group and continuing my little series that I'm going to do of uh, Meet the Peddlers. So, Giles, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How would you uh, come around to libertarianism? How would you find uh, Peddling Fiction podcast? And anything else you think is uh, pertinent? Sure, sure. Well, uh, thank you for having me on. Um, I've never done anything like this before, so uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so how I got into libertarianism, um, I suppose is kind of a long story, um, or not, maybe. Uh, I haven't really thought about it too much. Uh, I was working at a car dealership, and I met a friend of mine who I actually rent a room out to now. And uh, we uh, are both really into like deathcore metal. <laughs> and uh, I think in one of our sales meetings, because we were selling cars, <clears throat> uh, they were talking about things that you like and uh, things that would be important to you in a car. And I was like, oh, I'd want something with a good system because this is what I listen to. And so later he came up to me and was like, oh, you're into this thing. And we started talking and then something at work was happening. And I was like, what's your opinion on this? Like, you know, you're, you're not like a, you're not like a, like a liberal lefty are you and he was like and he kind of smiled at me he was like i'm an anarchist and i had never really considered an, any sort of anarchist philosophy um or thought about it or or anything i didn't know anything about it so i, I, I obviously i thought it was just kind of silly but he wasn't um for any of the things that i felt against so um, we were able to continue our uh, our little friendship and i just added it to one of the the funny quirky things I knew about a coworker when I would talk about him with my family. And then uh, we decided to go on a 17 mile hike a couple days after that. Um, I probably don't look like it now because I've been, I had a back injury, like what feels like a year ago. Um, but uh, I used to be pretty active, run two, 300 miles a month. So 17 mile hike wasn't that big a deal at the time and being spontaneous about it wasn't a big deal. And he, um, I found out through our friendship was an ex Marine in the infantry and did two combat deployments. Um, so he was obviously not opposed to hiking through the woods. Um, and, uh, anyway, during this super long hike that we had, obviously there was not much else to do, but talk and, and try to catch our breath because it was quite the hike. And, uh, I started warming up to a lot of the ideas. Um, my opinion on on politics before that was uh, that I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, I grew up in a military family, but at the same time, my, my dad always taught me, you know, the how do you know a politician is lying, you know, because their mouth is moving, <clears throat> uh, you know, those jokes. So I, I always had this like distrust in government and that everybody was lying. Whatever they said was important, probably wasn't. And they're probably profiting off of it. Um, and getting everybody to clamor around panic. Um, so I, I think I had a lot of the, like, the baseline sort of covered. And then so later when he was like, yeah, man, you could basically do everything via consent. And, and not only could you do it that way, but it's actually the best way to do things and the most, you know, the most profitable way. So if you're trying to increase quality of life or, like, you know, what people, stuff people have or whatever, um, that's the way to do it. And I was, I just felt like, yeah, that makes total sense. Who would have thought that 
consent was the way. And I never really considered how anti-consent not only all these liberal lefties are, but also how anti-consent most conservatives are. Um, I'm from Portland. And so being a, a conservative you know, kind of person in Portland wasn't really very popular. So I was felt like I was a part of that team because I wasn't a part of the, uh, the lefty team that everybody I knew was a part of being from Portland. And then so later, and I knew about like all the, all the, the funny jokes about how Portland cops are trigger happy and they'll dump like 90 bullets into somebody. And, and I'm not even making that number up. That was something that happened when I was a kid. Oh, um, wow. These cops just bullet dumped this guy. And uh, so, he, so like thinking about, cause he would talk to me, but like, you know, those, that's, that's not a good thing. You understand that. Right. And I was like, oh my God, I never really considered whether or not it was a good or bad thing. You're absolutely right. That's a terrible thing. And then, and then he was like, here's another case and another case and another case. And then I started to find out about the, uh, you know, the cops shooting up all the dogs. And I was like, oh, Jesus, I didn't know this was such a thing. Um, so, uh, you know, through these conversations uh, that we had and selling cars is mostly standing around waiting for people to show up. So you have nothing to do but talk through ideas and stuff. Um, I, I, I feel like I warmed up to the idea of it pretty quickly. And, uh, and then... So he showed me some people to, to listen to, like Tom Woods. And then um, I think I think Ben Shapiro had said something stupid. And so Dave Smith had some comments to make about it. And he was showing me a video of Dave Smith. And then so I started watching him. And then he had brought up the Peddling Fiction podcast. And I was like, oh, well, I'm just I'm new to this whole thing. Let me just try to take in as much content um, as I can. Uh, and so I started listening to that. And I was a, a, I feel like I'm a pretty good fan uh, because a lot of the things make sense. Um, I think I'm probably on the train that he might talk about uh, his personal life a little bit more than I would appreciate. But that being said, it's not my show. And, it, you know, if that's what he wants to do and his content is good enough to get me to listen anyway, then maybe I should just, you know, shut up. Um, so uh, hiding out in, a good answer. hiding out in Mexico for the last six months or so, I think he's at least got something semi-interesting. I mean, me, me sitting in my basement in uh, Indiana, I don't really feel like I have a whole lot to talk about as far as my personal life goes, but he's got a little bit, uh, a little bit more interesting of a personal life than, uh, than what I do. So, so I kind of yeah. enjoy it. He hates plane rides. I feel like that's the thing that's stuck out to me the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, and talking about your, uh, your buddy that kind of introduced you to the whole thing, I do find it interesting how many uh people who really lean hard libertarian and especially in the anarcho-capitalist uh mindset come from the military like there are a lot of ex-military and which uh you know one of the arguments that you get especially from conservatives a lot of time is that we want to you know shrink the military or do away with the military it's like look look at veterans look at people who were in the military they want to shrink it and do away with it like they see that this is a bad thing the the only ones who are you know so war hawkish are the ones who are established and make a career of it and everybody else sees that you know we are wasting billions of dollars and lives fighting these wars all around the world uh and destroying the lives of the ones who do you know, come home. So uh, I, I always find that really interesting how many libertarians are ex-military. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he, so that he did two combat deployments. He was in, in the infantry. Um, and he, uh, I think they're both in Yemen. 
or one was in Yemen. Uh, and so, yeah, that was another thing I never really thought about. It's funny how it's not just with the military. Basically, anybody that has strong opinions about economics probably doesn't know anything about economics, especially, you know, when if you listen to the news, all the, the stuff that these people talk about, they've obviously not thought any of it through. Um, but, uh, but, you know, and I come from a military family. So I grew up in, in Washington on Fort Lewis and my dad was in the infantry and my mom was in a, a generator mechanic, uh, you know, engineer. And so the, uh, you know, the, the, the ugly side of war is something that I was always familiar with. My dad was, uh, it was important to him to, for me to know how brutal war can be and, you know, that you got to know what you're going for. And uh, he died before I was able to talk to him about a lot of uh, this new ideological stuff that I've been kind of fumbling around with. But I actually think that that if he were still alive, um, maybe maybe a two hour talk and I could have him totally bought in, um, which is funny because, you know, you think like for a military guy, certainly somebody in the in the infantry, even even somebody that's, you know, from an older generation like my dad, like it would be more difficult Um and uh, and and it doesn't seem like that's actually the case. I think a lot of the uh, the boot looking military experience that a lot of us libertarians see um, is very small. Most people in the military, I think, are thinking about when they're getting out. You know, it's written on their ID. So they're looking at that all the time. Every time they have to sh- put that card in somewhere, uh, they're reminded of, you know, another day until it's all over because this whole thing is just such a shit show. You know, and, 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 and the more I'm exposed to this, the more I'm like, it's insane that this isn't being talked about, um, you know, like the uh, from a not a pro military point of view, but I suppose kind of a pro military point of view, 22 veterans a day kill themselves. I don't know if you've heard that before, but uh, that's insane. Like a day, like yesterday and today. Right. And, suicide, and, and that stuff like, just completely gets swept under the rug and like everybody knows that the VA is terrible and yet like it doesn't get nearly enough attention. And, and then they push for uh, government run healthcare. <laughs> like, but yeah, you- well, <clears throat> uh, I, ha- I have some pretty strong opinions on the VA and uh, you know, I'm in a weird position because I didn't join the military, although I tried. Um, I have uh, uh, flat feet and a bunch of tattoos. So <laughs> They, they were like, no way. Um, and uh, w- which I'm, you know, now obviously I'm thankful for, but, uh, but my dad was in the military and my mom was, and they're old now. And, um, you know, my mom's still alive, but my dad died and uh, he died of cancer. So I got to see like, and my dad had a bunch of injuries from being in the military. So he had, he had back issues, his knee, he broke his knee while he was in the military. Um, and I got to see how they take care of them. How does the VA treat our veterans um, firsthand with somebody that's important to me? And it's terrible. It's terrible. It's it's so political. We had we had a guy come in. My dad had like arthritis in his back, degenerative disc disease, bunch of shit. He broke his kneecap in half uh, uh, on like a road march that he was on. So he had a bunch of you know physical problems that caused him a lot of pain. And we had uh, he had moved from my uncle's place in at Fort Bragg and come back to uh, Oregon, where I was at the time. And uh, the doctor there was looking at his chart to, to re-prescribe him medicine and was like, man, you, they're not giving you enough uh, painkillers so that you can feel the energy to move around and get some exercise and blah, 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 blah. 
we need to get you on to these morphine patches and that, you know, we're, we're going to get you all better. And then uh, he goes to do whatever the fuck doctors do and excuse me for swearing and, uh, and comes back. It was like, you know, I just, I feel passionately that, uh, that, that moving towards meditation is going to be, it's going to help us on our, on our road to recovery. And my dad was like, Cause I remember while the guy was gone, my dad was like, man, finally, somebody's going to be, you know, helping me out. And I'm looking forward to feeling better because I'm in all this pain every single day. And as somebody that recently had a back injury, like it, you know, I can definitely see, and his was worse than mine is. Um, I can see how that would, you know, if somebody was to show you some sort of shiny hope, how you would really want some of that. Um, and, and yeah, and, and my dad was like, what, what, what do you mean you passionately feel about meditation? That's not what we just talked about. And he was like, yeah, you know, I was really, while I was gone, I was really thinking about it. And my dad was a very smart guy. And he was like, no, 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 no. What you did is you went and talked to somebody. You got authorization and your boss or somebody said, no, they told you, no, you can't do this, that you got to come and give me the bad news and sell me on this meditation shit. And that's what I, that's what I'm to get. And the guy was all flustered. And you could tell that, that my dad hit, hit it right on the nose. That's exactly what happened. And, you know, it didn't matter. We still left, you know, empty handed. And, and, uh, and then when my dad got cancer and my dad was diagnosed with cancer and died in four months. So it was a pretty fast process. He had a, he had a, a, a very lethal form of thyroid cancer. Um, I got to see how they treated him then, you know, especially with pain medicine, uh, the, the cancer metastasized into his bones and, and they knew that it was lethal. So there was, so there was no like, oh, we shouldn't give you opiates because you're going to get addicted and there's a lot of problems with addiction. Like he's on the path to death with this terminal anaplastic thyroid cancer is what it's called. And, uh, and they were still, they were still incredibly stingy with it. It was, uh, it was, it was insane. And I got to watch him be in all this pain and we didn't know that he was having these, his bone, he ended up dying with like eight broken bones. We didn't know that his bones were breaking. And, uh, that, you know, they, and then of course, once it was like the last 20 days or so of his life, you know, then they were like, oh, okay, now we'll give you all the Dilaudid and all these, you know, super high potent, uh, things, but we had to, you know, we had to get everything approved first. Um, and then, and then, and then my mom, my mom, uh, her, uh, Humvee while she was in, I think Iraq got hit with an IED. So her back is all messed up and she's had a lot of similar issues with, uh, with the VA. So that, yeah, the idea that, you know, that we're helping, we're helping our veterans, and it is a joke and uh and and you know they're killing themselves in crazy high numbers i don't know if there's another american demographic that kills themselves at a higher rate than veterans do uh, i don't think there is uh, honestly I'm, like i've looked yeah. at stuff uh, with with different uh covid numbers and death rates and stuff uh i've i've probably spent uh yeah weird amount of time looking at different death rates and stuff. And yeah, I mean, you were absolutely right. Like suicide rates, especially amongst uh, ex-military in is just, it's insane and it gets no coverage. Yeah, none, none, not even from the people that you think are supporters. You know what I mean? Like I see, I see maybe once a month, maybe once every couple months, some like, you know, repost thing on Twitter or Facebook about, uh, the war within, which is the 22 a day veterans killing themselves thing. Um, and, you know, I appreciate it, I suppose, when I see it, because, I, you know, I don't want to see anybody dead, um, let alone people that are, you know, even if I don't agree with their motivations, most of the people that join are trying to do something with their lives, whether that's free college or 
duty to the country or whatever. So the idea that they're all, you know, dying in these wars and, and, and if they survive, they're coming back and killing themselves is I think a big tragedy, but yeah, not even a bunch of like, not even a bunch of super conservatives are talking about it. Like I never hear it. And I, and, and, you know, listening to the podcasts and a few other podcasts and watching the news, like, I feel like I'm pretty well in the circle where I should be hearing about it. And I don't. And I think that that's, it's just such a tragedy. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's, that's why so many veterans are against all this shit because they see what's happening to all the people that they serve with and what's happening to themselves. Um, and so, you know, people like, uh, people like my buddy uh, being, being against going to Yemen and all that shit, like, you know, totally makes, uh, totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've said it a few times, but that was, that was really uh, what pushed me towards libertarianism was seeing how war was handled. And the more, the more that I researched and looked at that kind of stuff and realized that like, it's the whole thing is just this giant unending cycle of starting new wars, uh, upending, you know, people who are in power to create all this chaos and then keep us in these different parts of the world to, to, to make peace while we're doing absolutely nothing of the sort and, you know, installing democracy that then immediately fails and turns into a new power struggle. And like, all we're doing is just pumping out more and more billions upon billions, billions of dollars into this military industrial complex that never accomplishes anything. And, uh, it was George W. Bush's, uh, push for Iraq for the war in Iraq that really uh, pushed me away from the Republican party. Cause like, why, why in the world are we doing this again? And I don't, it's just uh, the whole war machine thing. I don't understand. I don't understand how people who claim to uh, support the military can still back the Republican party with the way that they have treated the military over the years and used the military for, really for personal gain. Uh, and then the Democrats have become every bit as bad for supposed to be the anti-war party that they were, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Now they've completely flipped and they're as big a war hawks as the Republicans ever were. So like if anybody is in any way anti-war, there's no way they can be pro-Democrat or pro-Republican. Like you've got to be on the side of libertarianism. And I don't, I don't understand how people don't see that more clearly. Uh, yeah. So those, the, the long conversations I have with, uh, with my buddy that now lives in my basement, uh, I have a split level. So it's just, you know, the, the, the bottom floor, uh, we talk about stuff like that all the time. How are they able to convince these people? How, how is Joe Biden able to work on the 94 crime bill and Kamala Harris able to put all these, all these black people away for all these nonviolent drug offenses that, you know, and then get, and then get them all to vote for him. It, it, it seems like, I don't even know how it's possible. Like if somebody, you know, if I had a, if I worked in an office and somebody put on my desk, Hey, we have this project for you to do. I honestly wouldn't even know where to start to get people to, to just keep going along with it. It's, it, it sounds, it sounds insane. It's, it, it's a, it's a kind of concept that if you were to explain it to somebody, you know, that, that didn't see what was happening in our country, they wouldn't believe it was possible because it's so ridiculous. Um, so. Well, and that does kind of bring me around to something that, uh, you had mentioned, and uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit as we do this. Um, 
But, you know, part of how they get that level of buy-in is, uh, especially with the duopoly, like it really has become a religion of the state for as much as, uh, you know, supposed to be separation of church and state. The the state itself has become the religion and leftism and conservatism are the two warring factions, you know, instead of uh, like the Middle East in uh, forever in the uh, Renaissance or the, uh, the Crusades era, you know, with the Christians and Muslims fighting against each other. Now it's the, it's the left and the right and the Holy land is the United States and you've picked your side and they are waging war. And it's just, it's insane because it like that, that is really what it is, is it it's a religious, uh, belief and a religious commitment to your side no matter what they seem to do and i wanted to use that to segue because you did talk about uh you had in your one of your messages to me you said you uh had done some religious study so i wanted to talk to you about that a little bit and then uh i'll kind of have you listened to the most recent uh free man beyond the wall with pete quinones where he he and uh he, he and Vin Armani talk about uh, the dim age and then they, they end up getting into talking about uh, meditation and religious ideas and stuff. It's a, it's an excellent episode. I was actually uh, laying under a tree in the woods, deer hunting on Tuesday and listened to the whole thing. And it was, I don't know if maybe it was because I was laying under a tree out in the middle of the woods with nothing going on around me, but it really, it really kind of struck me uh and it was a very interesting con- conversation on religion. So I wanted to kind of delve into that with you a little bit since you have some sure. background on that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, as far as as far as religion, I'm, I'm I'll probably be the most I'll probably have the most unique perspective that you'll ever hear. And I know that that is, uh, you know, that's a big say. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not trying to I'm not trying to. Uh, uh, push myself into a, to a corner to get flamed on the internet, certainly. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, my, my dad, uh, my parents divorced when I was pretty young. So I grew up with my dad. So a lot of the, a lot of the instruction and stuff I got from him and unlike most parents, even, even myself as a parent, uh, my dad's hobby was to hang out with his kids and talk about stuff that kids don't talk about, (laughs) which is, which is kind of funny. But, uh, so, you know, I had, I had the, I had the books of the Bible memorized when I was five um, and I don't know, 50, 50 to hundred verses memorized probably before I was like seven. And, uh, and so my dad was very into, you got to know this stuff. And what was really funny was we didn't go to church uh, at all. We had, you know, maybe some like at home Bible study sessions, but uh, my dad was not a fan of church and not just uh, like a particular church and he had some problems with some particular churches like the Catholic church and whatnot. Um, basically all of church, all of it, he had a problem with. And it was because, uh, well, I mean, for a lot of, for a lot of reasons, I suppose the hypocrisy could be, <laughs> was, was maybe the, the most obvious one and the easiest one to explain because so many people, even that people that aren't into uh, religion or the church understand what I mean when I say that, you know, this is a, a group of a bunch of hypocrites. And I could talk, I could talk forever about, uh, about all the different uh, re- religious connections between what's going on now and what's always been going on. And I can, 
at the same time, I can do it from a religious point of view um, or a, a, you know, a churchy sort of point of view and one, and, and from one that, that uh, maybe has, has atheistic leanings. So what is the human reason behind all of this stuff? Um, I, per, I personally subscribe to the, uh, you know, to the belief in God and Jesus and all that stuff. Um, while at the same time myself, I, 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 I hate all of church, um, all of it. And I know that that, that sounds like you can't mean all of it, and, but I, I, I do. I do mean all of it, all of it. Um, and particularly, one, because they don't care about the source material. A lot of the things that are said in, in the Bible, much like the Constitution, um, are not the things that the church practices or the state practices. And they do things that are outside of it all the time, which is one of the, you know, the big similarities, I suppose, to me. Um, but I think I think people, the and I and I feel I feel like I'm just going on a bunch of different tangents. Uh, but I think I think people are led to it because people want to be led, and so it, the reason that the church is or the church the state has employed so many things that the church does is because of how effective it is. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how they get away with it. You know, uh, 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 an easy one uh, without getting into the subject too much is uh, is the, the the Catholic idea of indulgences, right? Which is where you need to. So th- they obviously believe in heaven and hell, which I don't believe in hell, and I suppose we can get into that. But uh, they also believe in purgatory, which isn't in the Bible anywhere, and they believe that you can pay to uh, get your uh, a loved one's sentence reduced. So when you die, you go to purgatory for hundreds of years, thousands of years, depending on whatever. Um, and so if you have a child or a mother or a father or a friend that's in purgatory, you can pay money, real money, to get their sentence re- reduced. Um, because the church has all these Hail Marys and Our Fathers that they do. So when you pay, you are buying a bunch of these Our Father prayers and Hail Mary prayers uh, which is going to reduce their time, um, which is obviously a big money-making scheme. And that's why if you look at basically any Catholic church, they're all beautiful, you know, because they have the money to pay for the architecture and the building. Um, and, uh, and people are, people are hoodwinked and, and they, and they give all their money away blindly. Um, and, and not, not just that, I, I'd say, and I'd say it's more accurate to say that their money is stolen from them, much the way taxation is, uh, uh, and Martin Luther, if, if you don't know who that Luther King Jr. were named after, um, he exposed the church and nailed this the, the 99 theses on the on the main door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, to expose the hypocrisy of the church to the people. And then, of course, the church sought to kill him for his trouble. Um, Sounds kind of like so what we, the uh, what the state did with uh, Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. <laughs> It's exactly, exactly. There's, there's so many, there's so many consistencies, right? Nobody wants to be exposed because yeah, he was telling everybody like, you got to stop giving the church all your money. If you're going to give money, it's got to be for me, you know, maybe some of these other reasons, but this reason in particular, the, the, the main way the church is getting their money is scaring people, right? Um, my, my from mom's, we have the same dad and his, uh, his family's from Ecuador. Um, and his grandmother who's born and raised, she lives here now, but uh, she was born and raised, you know, basically her, her entire life in uh, Ecuador, she, uh, her son died in a motorcycle accident and she still goes and prays all the time and pays money to get him out of purgatory. So the idea that that's still happening, even though it was sort of debunked, you know, Martin Luther lived 500 years ago. Uh, and then they're still getting away with it is, is to me the, the same sort of 
you know, insanity as the, as the black community voting Democrat and, 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 and how they've been so hoodwinked. And not only, not only that, but they're voting for the people that wrote the, 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 the bills and the legislation and then the people that enforced it, which is, which, oh my, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just so whack. Um, and I, and I, and I feel, you know, and that, and that, not, not only, not only all the, all the state stuff, but the church stuff is one of the reasons that I'm just so vehemently against uh, all church, you know, not just the Catholics. And I think that they've, you know, they're pretty evil. If, if, if you take, if you think about just all the, the molesting stuff, I mean, that's pretty bad, but, but I, but their, uh, their, their list of, uh, and another parallel to yeah. government, another parallel to government, right? Of course, of course. And which makes me feel so, it makes me feel like a conspiracy theorist really, because it's like, man, is this really all happening? Well, yeah, it's really happening. And that can only mean, you know, it has certain implications. And I feel like I'm losing my mind considering the implications of like a Jeffrey Epstein sort of thing. Um, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, my, my personal beliefs is that there's probably some sort of spiritual component and that's what makes things um, so consistent yet across such a wide amount of time and so many different cultures. And of, of course, across an ocean, why are there so many similarities? I, I think there's a spiritual component. Uh, uh, the, 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 the human component, I think, is that, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And so when you give people, you know, the ability to have access to all this stuff with no repercussions, you know, psychology sort of points that that's a recipe for disaster. And I think that that's exactly what we're experiencing. Well, and especially the, the no repercussions part, like I feel like that's the biggest part that we see with both the, uh, the upper level of the church, like you were talking about, and also with the upper levels of the government that like both of them have reached such a, they've reached such a high perch on that power structure that there is no accountability. They can do, uh, we're seeing it with our governors right now, like uh, Gavin Newsom, he uh, broke his own yeah. orders in California and then he, and then he oh. issued an apology. Like that, that makes it so much better that you came out, after the fact, after you got caught and called out for it, you came out and, and apologized. Like it's such it's such a hypocritical bullshit thing that they do uh, at every level. And there's no no accountability is the biggest problem. Like if if any of them had any inkling that they might be held accountable and might be punished in any significant way, it would totally change the tide of all of this. But they know that there's no way that's going to happen. Right, right. Which, which, you know, for me, it's just so gross because it reminds me of just all these lessons that I was taught as a kid, um, seeing them, seeing them play out in like real life. And then, and then feeling like, do, do other people not know this? I can't be the smartest person in the room. And, and, and I, and I, I, I can't be, I don't think I am. So that's one, but two, there's no way that I can be, uh, this, this lesson that I was taught a long time ago. And I think I even saw it in like a Breaking Bad episode or or something was there's this store owner that has this employee. This is the lesson, right? The store owner has this employee and it's the best employee. They're always on time. They always do their, their job. They've helped the business make a bunch of money, right? But the owner catches this employee stealing $5. You know, what should he do? And, uh, and of course the correct answer is, uh, well, what should he do is to fire. That's right. That's the, that's the right answer. And then, and then here's the lesson is why. Well, the answer to why is because that wasn't her first time or, or their first time, this employee. I think in the story, it was a woman, but it, you know, it, it doesn't matter. 
it's it was it was their first time getting caught right not their first time committing the action which is why he had to get rid of her and and and, and if they were going to do it if it wasn't her first time getting caught she was going to do it you know she did it the one time she'll do it again and so you have to get rid of her. and that's the thing with uh, with Gavin Newsom this isn't the you know that's just the first time he got caught you know what i mean which which to me is just so like the, the 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 restrictions that they're that they're putting down are so crazy and it honestly feels like people are being groomed to something worse and i think you know there's a lot of what that could be um well and like you said like with no accountability it, like with the employee right. if you don't fire her you know it's not the first time he's done it it's the first time he's been caught and he's not getting punished in any significant way so it's not going to be the last. It's not going to be the last yeah. time he does it. He's just going to be Why more and not get caught again. Or if he does get caught again, he doesn't even care because it's already been proven there are absolutely no repercussions for it if he does. Like nobody in government, if they do something terrible and they get caught, they don't lose their job. They don't lose their, you know, they don't get demonetized or anything like that. They just move into a different job somewhere else, and they might you know, disappear from the limelight for a little while. And five years from now, they'll resurface all over again. Like nothing ever happened. It's just a, it's a farce. Yeah. It's a, it's a farce. I'm not, I, I tried to look it up. Um, there's this quote that I, that uh, I'm sure people are familiar with. There's this, uh, there's this guy, HL Mencken, if anybody's ever heard of him. Um, uh, oh, I, I found it. Uh, so this is the quote. It is hard to believe that a man is telling the truth when you know that if you would lie, you were in his place. And so, um, which I think is, is so true. So in, t- in terms of Gavin Newsom's thing, you know, when he says he's sorry or that he won't do it again or whatever, you know that if you had no accountability and you had all the power to do whatever you want, and basically whatever you said had the power to control millions of people, why would you stop? Yeah, there's, they have no incentive to stop. That's- they have no incentive to stop. Right. And, 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 uh, and other than maybe a, a, a crisis of character him just feeling, oh, man, what have I done? I need to start doing things differently. If he actually felt that way. So many other horrible things um, that happen in government, at least at least in his, you know, in, for just California, he would expose if he actually, you know, felt contrition and that things were, were wrong or whatever. He would he would expose so much But the idea that he doesn't expose all this um stuff that's happening just goes to show you what an empty prompt or what an empty apology he's made so on that topic uh you know talking about the exposing stuff how do you feel about trump and the uh kind of the theories that he has kind of uh pulled the curtain back and uh uh red pilled a lot of people and sort of exposed the system for what it is over the last four years uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that Trump's playing 40 chess. Um, I, I totally agree. I don't think he thinks that far ahead. I think that he's fumble fucked his way through his presidency and, and, uh, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big Trump supporter, not even really a big Trump fan other than some of the things that he's said that are just, I just find funny. Um, I, I don't know if I'd consider myself an, an internet troll by any means. I don't, I don't spend enough time on the computer, but uh, uh, I think it's funny. So whenever they say that some things are true, you know, like, like in the debates with Hillary Clinton, when he was like, cause you'd be in jail, you know, like I knew he didn't mean that. Um, but it was just so funny to say. And I think that a lot of the, 
the supposed red pilling that he's been doing in the country has been I think it's I think it has been happening, but I think it's been largely accidental or or um, or, or what have you. Uh, it's a it's a uh, it's because he has no filter and just no decorum whatsoever. So a lot of the stuff that he like right. pops a lot of the stuff he pops the top off of it's not necessarily intentional. It's just he he didn't he may not have thought right. it out far enough to realize what he was saying. Yeah, he's just he's just he's just talking off the cuff. I I, I think that what's funny is is a lot of conservatives will say that Trump's best stuff is when he reads from the teleprompter, which I just so completely disagree with. <laughs> when he is just off the cuff and just talking, uh, that's when he says the best stuff. And uh, and I think that that's the reason that he was elected. I don't think it's because he followed a teleprompter that people started to listen to what he said. It was when he just started calling people out. You know, your husband's a rapist. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? like, everybody was like, man, that, that's insane. Finally. And and in terms of, you know, red pilling, I think I think some people heard stuff like that and they were like, what does he mean? I haven't been told any of this. Let me look it up and see uh, see what he's talking about. And then they find out, oh, man, there are some there's some really ugly skeletons, you know, in the state's closet. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully people continue down that path and, and get towards libertarianism. Um, unfortunately, I think most people stop off at, at uh, being a Republican. But uh, that just means that, you know, we have to do our job to, to help people see the light. Yeah, I agree. And that's, uh, that's kind of one of the things that I hope for, too, out of all of this is maybe it hasn't necessarily red-pilled people to the point that they are uh, full-on anarchist mentality. But at least, uh, even if it's completely unintentional, just random, you know, stuff that he says off the cuff, uh, that it it at least opens people up a little bit to be like, well, maybe there's some truth to some of this. Like, maybe we should look more into this. Uh, and like you said, I, I don't have an expectation that it's going to be a lot because uh, people tend to be uh, a bit sheepish, uh, just I think that's the nature of collective uh, groups of people is to need someone to lead them. And then you've got all of the, uh, the outliers like the, the libertarians and the ANCAPs that like, we, we don't have any interest in that kind of stuff. And so, so I hope that maybe some of the people who uh, lean in, in our direction, this has maybe gotten them some encouragement to, to push a little further out of the, out of that comfort zone and start looking to not be followers so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, try as we might, we'll, we'll likely be unsuccessful, but I think that we'll only be unsuccessful if we, depending on, on, on the parameters of how we consider success, you know, so I have, I have two children, I have two girls, six and one. And, uh, so I'm just doing everything I can to get them to, you know, see things kind of at an early age, sort of the way my dad did it, hopefully without all the, you know, negative things that my dad did as this giant infantry, you know, person, just like telling me what was going on. I'll try to be a little bit, uh, a little bit smoother about it. But, uh, you know, some of the things that I'm doing in my life is since I've been home a whole bunch, you know, I'm, I'm going to school to be a CPA and get my degree in accounting so that, I can help my, the, you know, the people that, uh, that I want to work with and the people that I care about avoid paying taxes, keep some of their money. And uh, which I, which I think, it, you know, right for right now, money is, is uh, 
is the, is the currency and how we increase quality of life. So the, the more money I'm able to help somebody keep the, the, the higher that I'm increasing their quality of life. So that's in terms of like how I measure success, me being able to do that, um, means more to me than trying to convince the entire nation that democracy is evil and mob rule and tyranny of the majority and all, all those things that we all know to be true. Um, and just make a difference in one other person's life. Um, my one of the, you know, I hate to bring my dad up so much. It makes me sound like a, somebody with some terrible daddy issues. But one thing that he told me at a young age and repeated throughout my life was one man's life is worth your time. <clears throat> and, uh, and I always try to take that to heart. And so whenever I've been going, you know, whenever I'm doing schoolwork or whatever, and, and it's difficult or it's difficult while my children are running in here trying to distract me, I just try to remind myself like this is, this is going to matter to someone. I'm going to put myself in a position to help somebody. And that, that sort of gives me the motivation to, to keep going. So I think for the libertarian community, the biggest uh, suggestion that I could make was to just form how you measure your own success. And I think that that can be measured in, in you know, improving your own life or improving somebody else's and then go after that. You know and what I, I think, mean? And I think that is something that, uh, as I've gotten really involved with the Libertarian Party here in the in 2020, uh, like I'd always considered myself a Libertarian uh, since you know Ron Paul in 2008, uh, and even had started leaning that way uh, prior to that. But that really uh, the too big to fail bailouts and then Ron Paul's uh, presidential run really pushed me to Libertarianism. But like I just now this year started really getting active and involved with the party itself uh, nationally and on the state level and then here locally. And that is something that I've heard a lot uh, here this year is like the making the push to engage in local communities and deal with people on a personal level. And like as, as cool as it would be to have a great libertarian candidate running for president and get, you know, five or 10% of the vote or whatever, where we're really going to make the true change is like you said, you know, working with that one person to help them keep more of their money and not have to give it over in taxes and like making direct impacts in our local communities and, and with other people and with our kids. I, I've said it a few times uh, when we've had our group chats on the, the peddling fiction group, uh, I I have my kids listen to part of the problem and uh, peddling fiction and the lions of Liberty guys. Like we listen to libertarian podcasts when we sit around the table and have breakfast in the morning. Like they, they're, uh, they're 12, 10 and nine, and they are getting the full uh, libertarian uh, spectrum of podcasts every day. So, you know, trying to, trying to get them uh, coached in the right direction going forward. Right, right, and I and, and and you know, oddly enough, I think that that, I think that I think that is honestly the real way to affect change. You know, they say they say I don't, I don't know who said it, but politics is downstream of culture. So so you know, all we got to do if we want to see a political change is to help with a cultural change, either you know, in how we interact with people or what we teach our children or what we do for our community. Um, so you know, if, if if somebody wants to you know see their local a uh, town rejects all of these tyrannical restrictions, then, you know, then you have to, you know, sort of be a part of the, uh, a part of the solution as far as uh, getting people to see, you know, how consent is a good thing, which, you know, sounds weird to try to, 
<laughs> Sounds weird to tell people, you know, <laughs> this is important, this consent thing. Um, but, uh, but the more people kind of have that right in front of them with real people in their lives, like in their community, the more you'll see real change. And if you talk to one person, likely they're going to talk to one person, probably more than one. Um, and then they're going to talk to more people. And that's, that's really how you get those ideas to spread. Um, and with the so. consent thing, I, I do think, I think everybody instinctively knows that consent is a good thing and consent is something that we should be striving towards, but what they don't understand or they just don't consciously realize is how much of the government is built not on consent, but on force and on uh, coercion through violence, really, uh, you know, through the threat of locking you up or taking you to jail or fining you or whatever. And well, so killing you. That's, that's the thing. Because if you reject to be to be kidnapped or, or, or arrested, you know, then they're going to use deadly force. And so you know, whenever you whenever I talk about things like this, I immediately go to the most shocking thing because that's how you get people to pay attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, and then, of course, after you shock them and you get their attention, that's when you say, and this is what I mean. I mean, they're going to they're going to fine you. You don't pay the fine. They're going to show up and try to get you to go to court. You're going to refuse. They're going to go to arrest you and you refuse and then they'll use deadly force. You know, if they'll shoot you and if you survive, then you'll go to jail then. And if you don't, well, then there you are. Um, I, I, we have to stop mincing words. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We've got to be got to be honest with people because the the mainstream media, even the ones that the few that are left that do lean to the right, like all of them sugarcoat it and they don't they don't give you they may be. uh honest but they're not being truthful if that makes sense and you always get a version of uh that honest reporting that skews one way or the other and just covers up what's actually going on and so people don't don't understand what the real threat is and and the real threat is our government and the way that they uh handle basically ruling over us at this point yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, one thing that uh, that I was taught was uh, sincerity is no guarantee for truth. So even if people really mean it, not only are they being honest, but they're being sincere. It doesn't mean that that's the truth, or that's or that's the right you know course of action, or the right anything. Um, and so, and and a lot of people don't recognize that. They see the passion of Kamala Harris, which is is to me obviously such. It looks like she's an actress, like up on a up on a on a on a theater. And not even a very good one. <laughs> not even a very good one. Yeah, because she she wears her she wears her emotions on her sleeve. I, I haven't watched a whole lot of uh, of what she's got going on just because I just feel like it's repetitive and boring. Um, but I watched a debate that she had, or at least part of it, with Michael Pence. And every time he said something, she just wore she wore her thoughts on her face. And I think it was just it was so obvious um, that uh, that her intentions are you know not very good. Definitely. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, it's, uh, it's up to you, man. I feel like we've put together a pretty good episode. I think we've had some pretty, pretty good conversation. Yeah, we and we can't we can't blow all our content on 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 one. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm good. I'm good, man. All right. Well, thanks for joining me again. This was Giles Miller, and in the meantime, I will catch y'all later. Thank you, Giles. Hey, thank you, man. See ya. See ya.